0: Welcome to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk. Here's your host, Jason Davis.
1: Good morning, everybody. Happy Friday. Welcome into Soccer Morning. WorldSoccerTalk.com. Fantastic, beautiful Friday morning ahead of a fantastic, beautiful, soccer-filled weekend. Hope you are doing well. Bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, ready to go into this weekend we're going to talk uh, a lot about the games this weekend we'll take your phone calls later on in the show got an excellent guest lined up i'll get to that in a second first a little bit of housekeeping a big announcement for soccer morning well let me say this way it's an announcement before an announcement let's do it that way so we have uh put out on twitter if you don't follow us on twitter it's at soccer morning yeah i am davis jsn producer trevor is hey hayward all excellent follows. Can't recommend them highly enough. If you follow us on Twitter, you've seen that we will be moving this show from 10 a.m. Eastern to 9 a.m. Eastern starting in May. I think it's actually May 4th that we start that, if I'm not mistaken. So May 4th will be the first 9 a.m. soccer morning here on WorldSoccerTalk.com. Set your, uh, you know, write it down in your soccer morning notebooks. Set your soccer morning watches. Get your soccer morning phone alerts going. That's when the show is going to happen. Now, this does not affect, obviously, all of you people who listen via podcast and nothing will change for you. It'll just uh, it, the, the show might come out even just a touch earlier than. Well, no, actually, it won't. <laughs> I just remembered why it won't. Uh, but you will still get your podcast uh, the same day as always and be able to listen by that method so there you go if you guys want to rabble and rouse and get upset about it we can talk about it later but uh, that's just the way things are ahead of some other stuff coming up for soccer morning today's program jeremiah o'shan will join us to talk about jordan morris the seattle sounders homegrown player who is yet to be signed as a homegrown player obviously still at stanford university scoring the winning goal against mexico on wednesday night in san antonio we're going to do a little bit of the the ballad of jordan morris is what i'm calling it we're going to kind of spec out his career to this point with jeremiah look into the reasons why he hasn't signed a professional contract look at the prospects that he will soon sign a professional contract with the seattle sounders who are no doubt at this point a little upset to find that a, a player they might have signed at one number is probably worth a little bit more now because he scored against mexico yeah it was a friendly yeah it was on terrible terrible turf Still, adds maybe a zero to that uh, to that fee. We'll find out. Uh Jordan Moore is clearly a prospect that the US men's national team likes, clearly a prospect that the Seattle Sounders like, and a player uh whose progress is worth watching. Let's do some news here on a Friday morning. Last night in MLS, New York and Philadelphia played to a one one draw at Yankee Stadium. You had goals from Medi Bellucci. Holy crap, where did that come from? Medi Bellucci. A little, a little deek, a little elastico, and then a curler to the back post. Very nice stuff from him. Uh, and then Philadelphia gets back, uh, equal through CJ Sapong on a sort of half afro- acrobatic, uh, um, volley there at the front of the net. Completely unmarked. Have to win that ball in the air, New York City FC. I'm sure Jason Christ and company are none too happy to have dropped those points at home. Good point for the Philadelphia Union. And uh, and and a game that was just odd. I'm still not I'm still not comfortable with with Yankee Stadium. I'm not sure I ever will be. Maybe that's the point. I, I I shouldn't be comfortable. Neither should they. The field looks like a postage stamp. I don't know if it plays like that. It certainly seems like it. Things are very tight. The space is very constricted. Doesn't allow for a lot of expansive play. And then you watch on television. There was some debate about this last night. And I just had a back and forth with producer Trevor about it. The camera angle, does that bother anybody? It's a little flat for me. Trevor doesn't seem to mind. It's clearly, it could be worse, I suppose. It could be too far away. We could not see, there might be a a way that we wouldn't be able to see the detail. Some people talking about the way that the cameras are flipped and which side they're on. uh, These things are small fry issues when it comes to watching soccer on television. We've got a lot, a lot of soccer on TV these days. We shouldn't really be complaining about it. You have uh, Europa League quarterfinal matches yesterday. First leg, Club Club Bruges and Dinepro play to a 0-0 goalless draw. Napoli beats Wolfsburg, excuse me, 4-1. Just absolutely houses Wolfsburg in Germany. uh, Dynamo Kiev, Fiorentina, 1-1 draw there. So an away goal for Fiorentina uh, away in Ukraine. And Sevilla, 2-1 over Zenit St. Petersburg in the home leg, of that matchup. So there's your Europa League. I didn't mention Europa League yesterday. Probably should have. There you go. PFA Player of the Year nominations are out in England. Some discussion over this group. And this is what strikes me, and I'll go through these names, what strikes me is that there's not one standout candidate. You could make a very strong argument for all of these players. Diego Costa from Chelsea, David De Gea, the goalkeeper from Manchester United, Philippe Coutinho, the midfielder from Liverpool, Eden Hazard, midfielder from Chelsea, Harry Kane, forward from Tottenham Hotspur, and Alexis Sanchez of Arsenal. For me, Alexis Sanchez jumps off the page, but that doesn't mean that I think he's going to walk with it or that I would be upset if he did not win. Meanwhile, Harry Kane is also listed in the shortlist, uh, also on the shortlist for the Young Player of the Year Award, so a little doubling up there for uh, Harry Kane of Spurs. I, look, a, a very good season, a, a pretty spectacular season. Is does that make him Player of the Year? Eh, I don't know. The Conquer Craft Congress is happening in the Bahamas right now. A friend of the show, Simon Evans, is out there covering uh, this event. Uh, this is uh, there, there's a phrase I'd love to use on this show. Unfortunately, we're fr- we're family friendly. Sepp Blatter's in attendance. It's become a Sepp Blatter love fest, for la- lack of a better word. This is, um, this is a group of people running federations throughout CONCACAF who are, for, they are in Sepp Blatter's pocket, simply put. Sepp Blatter has received praise at the CONCACAF Congress with one federation chief comparing the FIFA president to Mel- Nelson Mandela and Jesus. I mentioned this yesterday. This is from Sky Sports. The president of the Dominican Republic Federation, Osiris, hell of a name, Guzman, compared the 79-year-old to Moses, Abraham Lincoln, Winston Churchill, and Martin Martin Luther King Jr., as well as Jesus and Mandela. He was also called the father of football by somebody in attendance at this Congress. It just, look, this is why, and I have said this consistently, this is why Sepp Blatter is going to be FIFA president for a fifth time because he's got people like this who are all in on on what he does. Jeffrey Webb, president of CONCACAF, said CONCACAF membership is sending a clear message that we will continue to support President Blatter. Great. Fantastic. Thrilled by this news. Absolutely thrilled by this news. By the way, Osiris, Guzman from the Dominican Republic was suspended by FIFA in 2011 for 30 days following the investigations into the allegations surrounding the cash for vote scandal at the governing body's last presidential election. If you remember, this is the brown envelope scandal with uh, our our old our old buddy Jack Warner and Mohammed bin Hammam, And both of those guys have been ousted. And yet here's Guzman still representing his federation, still leading his federation and still all over Sepp Blatter. Uh, Luis Figo is none too happy about this event, by the way. FIFA presidential hopeful Luis Figo has hit out at what he called a lack of democracy at CONCACAF's Congress on Thursday after incumbent Sepp Blatter was the only candidate given a chance to speak. So there you go. This is FIFA, and it sucks. Uh, You have big matches coming up this weekend. Let me just run some of those down. Red Bulls, Earthquake, tonight, 7 p.m. on Unimos. Tijuana and Chivas. It's 10.30 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Deportes. That's a clash between 1 and 3 in Liga MX. Tijuana just one point back of Chivas uh, Guadalajara, who is in first place. Tomorrow, FA Cup semifinal Arsenal and Reading at 12.20 on Fox. Fox proper, that is. Chelsea-Manchester United at 12.30 on NBC. NBC proper. Sunday, Villa-Liverpool in the other FA Cup semifinal, 10 a.m. Eastern on F- on, on FS1. Excuse me. Milan Darby at 245 on BN Sport. Neither one of those teams leading uh, the Italian League or anything like that, but clearly a, an intense match worth watching. NYCFC hosting the Portland Timbers at 7 p.m. on FS1 as well. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, we'll get into the story of young Jordan Morris of Stanford University with Jeremiah O'Shan of SB Nation. Soccer Morning, worldsoccertalk.com. Don't go anywhere. Be right back.
0: the crowd. Talking too loud Welcome back to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk
1: with Jason Davis. Here we go, We're talking uh, Jordan Morris with uh, Jeremiah O'Shan from SB Nation joining joining me on the phone right now. It's very early out in Seattle. I get the feeling that Jeremiah's got some cobwebs to shake out. Maybe I'm wrong. How are you, Jeremiah?
2: Uh, I'm good. I, I do have a few cobwebs, but I I, uh, I promise I am awake and alert enough to. Uh, to
1: do this program. Well, I mean, no, nothing gets soccer people more excited than young talent Jeremiah. We know this. And Jordan Morris by virtue of his goal against Mexico on Wednesday night is certainly among the hottest US Men's National Team prospects uh pro prospects for that matter because he hasn't turned pro. And I guess uh you know the reason to have you on here is for to fill people in on on the story of Jordan Morris and why why he is at Stanford University and what it is about him that has attracted the attention of Jurgen Klinsmann and and what's the next step. So let me start with the you know, when Jeremiah or sorry, when uh, wow, when Jordan Morris joined <laughs> the Seattle Sounders organization as as a player and what his growth has been in that organization.
0: So yeah, he he joined
2: them uh having a senior year in, in high school. Uh he had been playing high school soccer. He'd played on uh you know in in reasonably high level clubs. He was he was a, a known name to the Sounders, uh, but that was a lot of that was because his dad is a is the team doctor, and he's been the team doctor since two thousand nine. and uh, And Siggy Schmidt had, was very aware of of Morris's abilities, and I, I don't know I'm not exactly sure why he wasn't in the Sounders Academy from jump, but uh, by his senior year, he had been convinced to to head over there, and it doesn't sound like it was necessarily a lot of uh, handle. I mean, he wanted to do it and uh and he he really blew up his senior year uh at the academy level he had 27 goals in 28 games and he uh, was immediately on like every sounders fan uh radar as a as a player to watch and uh and apparently he actually committed to Stanford before he had before he had even committed to the Sounders mm-hmm. so uh when he decided to go to the go to Stanford it wasn't necessarily a big shock although I think the Sounders had expressed a willingness to, to sign him right out of high school if that's what he had wanted to do. Or, he, you know, when he was done with high school before he went to Stanford.
1: You know, there's a, there's some stuff here about the the rules surrounding homegrown signings. Um, you can fill us in. I always forget how long a player needs to be with an academy before a, a team can, can yeah. legitimately sign him as a homegrown. But there's also this element. You mentioned his dad being the team doctor. Clearly, this is a smart kid who comes from a solid background, there's not a whole lot of pressure there for him to turn pro.
2: Right, exactly, and that's, 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 you know, something that makes it a little different is that his his family is well-educated, he comes, you know, it's like, if if the soccer thing doesn't work out for him, he has very much, you know, a fallback plan, uh, he might not, he, he he's joked about not necessarily being a great student, and he, uh, and he's, he apparently hasn't even declared a major yet, and so it's not like he's necessarily going to go be a doctor. But he's, you know, he's a smart kid. He's got, you know, he's he's at Stanford. He's, uh, you know, he's he's got he's got options, so to speak. Um, whether or not that that means he should just jump both feet into being a pro or not, I guess is up to everyone's interpretation. But yeah, he's, uh you know, that that certainly seems to have affected his his thinking and he wants to get a Stanford education. Uh, I don't necessarily think that means he's going to be there for sure for four years, but I can see why he's at least, you know, playing it out while he can.
1: And as for the Sounders intent and, and what they've, uh, what they've come to him with any, any word as to whether or not this is it, it, at all an issue of money, because I think that's the first instinct for a lot of people.
2: I I don't think it is. You know, I've, I've asked, Various people about this a few times, and the impression I've been given is that there's never actually been a an actual discussion of dollar amounts. It's kind of like, look, when you're ready to come out, we will make it. You know, we'll we'll do right by you, and we'll we'll give you what we can. Now, maybe that conversation is changing now because he's got even more negotiating power than he's ever had before. Whereas I think. In previous years, the Sounders were, were basically offering him a homegrown contract as, look, we really don't want to lose you. Uh, and so we want to make sure that, you know, if you're going to go pro, that you go with us. Now it may be a, a matter of, look, we really, we really want you on this team. We think you can help us now. And so maybe that changes the conversation a little bit. But my impression is that the Sounders have, have just basically been playing the, look, we want you to be comfortable. We know you well. You know we are. We understand your situation. We're not going to put a bunch of pressure on you. Uh, and so, I, I, my, the impression I've gotten is that there hasn't necessarily been a dollar amount kind of pushed across the table.
0: And so, I don't think it's about money. Uh,
1: it, it, how have the Sounders, from what you uh, from what you know and the people you've talked to, how have they reacted to this to this attention from Klinsman? I mean, obviously, this is a player good enough to be in the in the U.S. youth teams at the uh, you know certainly in the uh, in the Olympic qualifying team if it comes to that. Uh, a look from uh, from Andy Herzog, but when it comes to the full senior national team and getting playing time and then scor getting a start and scoring a goal, is this something that they're they're like, yay, this is great for our organization, but on the other hand, as you said, it gives him a lot more leverage than he used to have.
0: Yeah, I think that, that's that probably sums it up pretty well.
2: Uh on one hand, I definitely think the centers are very happy for him. You know, they you know Siggy is the one that really pushed him into the youth national team camp to begin with. Uh, you know, he, he was not on the youth national team radar before he, he joined up to the Sounders and Siggy was a big part of making, of getting him into that camp. So I don't think that there's, I don't think that it's like they felt like they had this, you know, diamond in the rough that if they just kept quiet about that, you know, everything would work out okay. Uh, but on the other hand, yeah, I do think that they are, there has to be some, some, you know, some worry. I mean, because it's like whether or not Jordan and he does. He keeps saying, "I'm going to play in Seattle. That's my intention." Every time he's asked, this is you know he gives the same kind of answers. It's been my dream to always play for the Sounders, and that's great. You know, he's probably being totally honest. But the reality is that the more he achieves, the the bigger his profile gets, and the better he plays, that there's going to be more suitors. And you know, whether that, you know, those suitors are are gonna throw enough money at him to make it really, you know, worth his while to to not come to Seattle. That's a that's a valid question. But yeah, there has to be some concern. There ha you know, there they're just not you know, they're not being prudent if there isn't. And I and I do think that, you know, the whole story, I don't know if you remember this, but a few months ago there was a story that came out that uh the Sounders seem to think that uh Jurgen may be pushing him to Right. To Europe, yeah. and I've never gotten anyone to confirm that that was that was them that was saying that. But the impression I got was there was some concern over that. Well, there's, so, there's
1: certainly uh, it's certainly conceivable that Jurgen Klinsmann, part of the reason he put Jordan Morris on the stage that he did, was to get him some attention yeah. outside of Seattle. Um, you know, from everything that you've said, this is a kid who has his head on straight for the most part. Now, as soccer fans who want to see him develop to the maximum potential, we might wonder if college is the place for that to happen. And this gets gets into, again, this gets into the bigger question of college soccer's place in the the development of American players. But at the same time, from an, an internal standpoint, the Sounders, I imagine there's some frustration from those coaches who had him his senior year of high school, who know how good he can be, and who imagine that more practice time, more time on the training pitch, and again, you know whether or not he can help them out now at the senior level is kind of irrelevant to the point that they've lost control of his development.
3: Yeah,
2: and I would think that there is some, there has to be some concern. The, the good news is that he has come back to Seattle uh, every summer. You know, he he played for the Sounders 23s, twenty three and he's trained with the Sounders first team uh, pretty consistently. He's he's stayed close to the team, so it's not like they've lost complete track of him. It's not like he's you know gone off into the wild and. And the Sounders have a pretty good relationship with Stanford apparently. Uh that said, I'm sure there is some frustration and I'm sure they would much rather be, you know, I I'm sure everyone in the organization, uh, certainly right now, maybe not uh two years ago when he first enrolled at Stanford, but I think right now would rather him be, you know, all things being equal, they'd rather him be training with the Sounders than training at Stanford, uh, from a purely soccer standpoint. And and you know, this the Sounders have been big proponents of the college system and and they've always talked about wanting guys to go to college and they think that the college system has a has a great role to play in the American soccer structure and for no other reason than there's no obvious replacement for it still even with the USL. That said I don't think any of them would say that he's better. You know, from a purely soccer standpoint, that Morris is better off at Stanford than he would be at, with you know
1: training with the center right now. And from what you know about him as a, as a person, and obviously from his family background, I imagine that if there was a player who could handle this, handle being on this stage in this spotlight, and and handpicked by Jurgen Klinsmann this way, it might be him. Because I think again, the, the fear might be, and I've, I've seen some pushback on this. Oh, we're going to overhype Jordan Morris now. A lot of guys get spun out of control by that sort of situation.
2: Yeah, they do, and I've I've been giving this a lot of thought, and I and I think you know, and no one, no twenty nineteen twenty year old is ever fully equipped to handle the hype that comes with you know being the darling of uh, of the American soccer community. It's just you know, there's just nothing that fully prepares you for that. But if anyone is, yeah, I think Jordan Morris is is a good candidate for being that person. You know, and Rami how any of so you have ever watched with him, but he's, he's a really humble kid, but he clearly thinks about what he's going to say. He's self-aware. He, uh, he gets it. You know, he's been around these, you know, he's been around professional soccer. He's been around smart people. So it's not like any of this is completely coming at him from left field. He, you know, it's not like he's, uh, he's dying to become the next great American soccer player, uh, although I'm sure he wouldn't mind it but uh yeah i think he's he's reasonably well equipped to handle this and you know i've always said that one of the things that uh that we learn about when we when we hype these kids up and not to say that you know these kids are are prepared for this stuff but there is a degree of if they are really able to handle the pressure this is part of what the pressure is yeah and and you know the way you get great players you know lyle Messi was a was a, with a, with a superstar at 14, 15 years old, or he was being hyped as one, and him coming through that is part of what made him who he is. So it's, you know, we can't just tip, treat kids with kids' gloves, and you know, we can't treat... Keep- These players with kids' gloves and act like they don't exist until they're 23, 24 years old.
1: Uh, It is an interesting conundrum for for American uh, players, and and I've heard various uh, viewpoints on this, that we overhype them, that their heads get too big, makes you know they're washing out because they don't put in the work. On the other hand, as you said, there there may be sort of a school of hard knocks element to it. Um, There's been a a lot of questions, Jeremiah, over over Jordan Morris and his status as an amateur player and, and how that how how playing for the us national team may affect that I, i'm assuming there is no problem there because why would he accept the call up if there would be if it if it threatened his eligibility with stanford but at the same time people are curious did he get paid is there a problem with him playing with professionals which is what i always heard was the was the rule
0: yeah my
2: understanding of it is is that it's not an issue that this is basically i mean you you just need to look at the olympics and see how they how you know the ncaa handled the olympics is that, you know, you can compete against professionals on you know, maybe I guess maybe it's because it's an I don't really understand all the rules, but my understanding is that this is perfectly acceptable, that as long as he doesn't accept any money and that he can't be you know, he can't be paid in arrears basically for time that he spent with the national team. But yeah, he can he can accept flights, he can accept, you know, clothes, uh I guess from the sponsors, he can accept meals, and he can do all the things that You know, just to kind of think of it like an Olympic athlete, and I would assume that the NCAA has some kind of agreement with all the various national federations that allow for this kind of stuff. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, there's we used to have college basketball players that were, uh, you know, representing our country and playing against, you know, Russians that were obviously professionals. Sure. So, um, you know, this is really not that different, and I assume that there's, you know, I guess the NCAA must have some kind of, Clause that allows a national team exemption. Yeah, yeah. I can see how it does look funny.
1: Yeah, you're right. I, I remember Christian Leitner was on the dream team when he was still in college. So this is right, this exactly. Is, and obviously, although you know,
0: I think his eligibility was up at that
1: point, but oh, anyway. Okay, that might be true. <laughs> and everybody hates Christian Leitner anyway. So there you go. Uh, so, so what do you imagine is next for him? I mean, he can't. Do you think that? And this, this might be a comment on the media situation in this country for soccer. And and you know, we'll move on. There are other things to talk about. But do you think he he can just like step out of the spotlight, go back to Stanford, play the, you know, play the college season, do whatever he's going to doing at Stanford, play in the summer with the U23s again and just be a normal 20-year-old soccer player with high potential but still just not not on that hype level, that hype train that we've been talking about?
2: Well, I will say that playing at Stanford, all joking aside, probably helps in all that way because the reality is that there aren't going to be you know, 10,000 fans showing up to Stanford soccer games and there aren't gonna, weren't there before. And there's not gonna be a ton of media that's gonna all of a sudden be descending upon the Stanford soccer team that wasn't there. You know, I'm sure they're getting more requests, but this is not, you know, uh, what would have happened if LeBron James went to college kind of thing. Uh, the reality is that Jordan Morris plays in a, you know, Palo Alto is not exactly uh, it's, it's not a, it's not exactly Barcelona when it comes to the way they pay attention to soccer, right? Right, right and exactly, So I think yeah. that from a perspective that he'll, he will kind of be able to go back and, to being a college student. And the fact that he's at Stanford where there's all these, you know, super high achieving kids and there's, you know, other star athletes. I mean, he's probably not even, he might not even be among the 10 most uh, famous athletes at Stanford right now, uh, based on, you know, everyone that's there. And, or maybe right now they are because they don't have as good of, a, the basketball team as they've they've had in the past, but you get my point. Yes, uh, so I, I think nice. in some ways, yeah, he, he could go back. What's going to be really interesting is this summer because I think this—I would imagine the Sounders are going to put a lot more—I don't know—pressure, but they're going to—they're going to real. I think the Sounders are really going to try to bring him in the summer um, after the spring season. And and you know, if he makes it through this summer, I, I mean, who knows? I mean, maybe he really does want to spend four years at Stanford, but I wouldn't be shocked if if some of this changes over the summer that, you know, he kind of just goes on because at at some point you have to think that he's now proven to himself that he really can compete at this level and that he might just be holding himself back if,
1: if you see the college game, right, let, let me ask you: to take off your reporter hat, Jeremiah, and put on your uh, your uh, analyst hat. And and yes, I'm going to ask you to try to predict what Jurgen Klinsmann might do. And we all just don't have any clue. And we throw our hands up in the air and shrug. So I imagine you'll do some of that. But if you had to guess, uh, look, he's clearly at least a candidate to play with the U23s, and I think we'd all be shocked if he wasn't involved in some yeah. way. But do you think that Klinsmann continues to give him senior team call ups? I mean, you have. You have the Gold Cup coming up. You've got some European friendlies coming up ahead of that. This is, you know, this is, are we seeing the, the, first, uh, the, the first steps down that road or is this going to be just kind of a one-off for now and we let him go back to Palo Alto and develop and then we'll call him back later?
2: I mean, look, he's been called up four times now. Uh, this is the fourth camp out of like, what, the last six or something like that, that he's been called in. So I, I think the idea is that, Jurgen Klinsmann is going to actually give him a start, see him score a goal, and then pull his foot off the pedal, you know, probably unrealistic at this point. I, I would imagine that Klinsmann is going to keep calling him, you know, maybe he won't call him up every single time, but I would imagine he's going to keep calling him up whenever it's convenient for for Clinsman And he's going to, you know, I, I I kind of still think that he's he sees him as more of a U23 player going to the Olympics than he does... Uh, playing in the Gold Cup. I guess they aren't really conflicting. Uh, so, yeah, maybe I mean, maybe he does play. I, I I wouldn't be shocked at all if he called him into
1: the Gold Cup. <laughs> because it's Clinsman and because he doesn't do anything right, by exactly. the book. Yeah. I, I, and, and I don't know if that's the best thing for Jordan Morris or not, and I'm not going to pretend to judge. It, it, it's a fascinating story. I... Go ahead.
0: Oh, yeah, I don't know
2: either. I don't know if that – I mean, I, honestly, I don't know if, if that's – I mean, I guess it, there's a part of me that says that's kind of cool, the idea that he'd be called into the Gold Cup. But I'll tell you this. If he if he does uh, sign a pro contract, then, yeah, I would imagine – although it would be kind of funny, I guess. It, it, maybe it wouldn't shock me if Clinton would signed a pro contract. He's like, eh, whatever. I'm not going to call him up I, I, anymore.
1: You know, I, 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 I'm gonna... <laughs> I'm going to let you go in a second, Jeremiah. It's just it, This opens up a Pandora bo- Pandora's box of questions for me. I mean, to consider the possibility, and yeah, as you said, for the last six camps, to consider the possibility that Jurgen Klinsmann is going to turn to a player who not only is not a professional, but isn't getting playing time. I mean, well, he hasn't signed a contract. He's not getting playing time at a professional club. I mean, this has always been the, the marker of, a, of an international, right? If a guy's not playing, why would you call him up? And yet here we are with... A college it's it's mind blowing in the in the, in this age. He's not Dante Washington in nineteen ninety one.
2: No, it's it's really weird and the the funny thing is that it's like you look at his college numbers and you'd never think of all the players that Klinsman would identify that it's gonna be the guy who has who's coming off like a four goal, six assist season and whose team went out in the I wanna say the elite eight of the college cup. So it's not like You know, it's not like Jordan Morris was just dominating Stanford and, and, uh, Klinsman saw something that he, he absolutely needed to have. It was like a handful of training sessions that, that Morris had with Stanford when they played the U.S. national team ahead of the World Cup and, and, you know, Klinsman was smitten apparently. Uh, so, you know, it's like, it's very clearly based on a gut instinct that Jurgen has about Morris and because of that, you, you do, it really does, Kind of throw all the shackles off. I mean, at least with Miguel Albarra, this is the guy who was tearing up the NASL. And, you know, you can look at a lot of the other guys that, that Clint, you know, or DeAndre Edlin, DeAndre Edlin has these very obvious, this very obvious skill set that you could see why, uh, Klinsman feels like he wants to put it to use. And Jordan Morris is more of a mystery. You know, he he's got speed, he's got some technical ability, but he's, there's no one skill that just jumps off the page. So, uh, it, it is a fascinating, it's a it's a fascinating
1: thing, I think. All right, the last question, Jeremiah. I put this out on Twitter. I had some uh, I had some people who uh, didn't agree with me. True or false? Jordan Morris greater than Zach Morris? Greater than Zach Morris? Yeah, you know, I
2: wasn't a big Zach Morris fan. I was I was really <laughs> watching Saved by the Bell more for the Kelly Kapowski <laughs> and the Jesse Spanos. Of so course, of course. yeah, I mean, I, I, I think yeah, I think uh, Jordan Morris is, is bigger, better than. And Zach Morris. I mean, Zach Morris, you know, got a little tiresome.
1: Yeah, he did. And you know what? Smarmy, that guy, just so smarmy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Jeremiah exactly. <laughs> Jeremiah O'Shan from SB Nation, talking about Jordan Morris, the newest superstar in American soccer. I, I'm I'm half kidding there. Jeremiah, thank you for your time. Enjoy your weekend. We'll talk to you soon, man. Yeah, happy to help. There you go. There's uh Jeremiah on the other side of this break. We're going to open up those phone lines, get you going with whatever you want to talk about ahead of your big weekend make sure you got the new number 646-832-3909 be right back
0: Welcome back to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk with Jason Davis.
1: Here we go, back on Soccer Morning. A little free-for-all Friday for you. Get your phones going. 646-832-3909. That's the new phone number. You've been used to it for, what, a week now? We've been using it for a week now. It's going pretty well. Appreciate Trevor screening calls, doing a fantastic job as always. So get in with whatever is on your mind today. You want to talk Jordan Morris? That's certainly there. New York City FC playing on that postage stamp at Yankee Stadium with a draw against the Philadelphia Union yesterday. Got big matches this weekend. Did I even mention Manchester City and United? I did, right? Sorry, Manchester City, United. Chelsea and Manchester United. I did mention that game, right? Manchester United facing a bunch of issues defensively with injuries. Louis Van Hall having to to change things up a bit. Marcos Rojo, Phil Jones, Daily Blend, Michael Carrick, all missing. All missing for this big game in London. And this is the thing about this game. There's a chance that this is a game that could get Manchester United, you know, some sort of heat as a possible title winner. I mean, everybody's got Chelsea locking this up. It's probably coming soon. But if you can go down to London and take three points off for Chelsea, I don't know you give yourself a a bit of a chance. you're only four points back at that- I'm po- sorry, not four points. you'd be five points back at that point. Chelsea has a game at hand on Manchester United, so that's something to consider as well. Well there you go, big game uh in London at Stamford Bridge, Chelsea hosting Manchester United. looking forward to that one. looking forward to the full MLs slate of course d c united Houston tomorrow Columbus Orlando tomorrow Dallas Toronto tomorrow that should be a good one Colorado hosting the Sounders Colorado coming off a 4-0 win over FC Dallas stingy defense now they've got some confidence going forward can Colorado back that up back up that win with another win against the Sounders the Sounders have you know they they lost in LA not quite there definitely not there RSL in Vancouver RSL needs to kick their offense into gear, and then LA and Can- Sporting Kansas City on uh, Saturday night. Philly, New England Sunday, and New York, uh, uh, sorry, New York City and Portland. Excuse me on Sunday. The Red Bulls and uh, San Jose tonight. Got that game. I had a couple of stories from around the soccer world I found fascinating on a Friday. Again, get your calls in six four six eight three two three nine zero nine for whatever is on your mind. I opened up the floor to, to topics this morning. A couple of guys had uh, very big ideas. They wanted us to touch on pay-to-play pay to in the United States. Yeah, that's a whole show. That might be a whole week of shows. Maybe we'll get to that one day. I think we've we've touched on that over the course of the last two years. We'll, we'll come back around to that. A couple suggestions to focus on USL and NESL. Of course, we're always keeping an eye on that stuff. We always bring guests on to talk about those leagues when appropriate but in the uh, in a little bit of a a wacky vibe here saw this this morning I love this story this is from KETV I don't even know what part of Nebraska this is oh it's Omaha KETV in Omaha Nebraska so the Channel 7 ABC affiliate in Omaha Nebraska did a whole news story whole video story on a guy getting cited for distracted driving through Nebraska. And what was he doing that distracted him? Why did he get a fine $200? Why did they do a news story on it? It's a different question. But why did he get fined $200 and cited by the state patrol? Because he was watching soccer on a cell phone that was taped to his steering wheel. There's even an image of this setup. He's just got two pieces of tape crisscross clear tape so he can see the screen (laughs) across his steering wheel 21 year old commercial driver so a truck driver essentially and it looks to me like he was probably watching champions league that's my guess on a wednesday because this happened on wednesday cass county nebraska it's a new way to achieve hands-free cell phones behind the wheel but the nebraska state patrol was not impressed 21-year-old 20, commercial driver wearing headphones, so doubling up, getting the audio as well, wearing headphones, watching this, this Champions League game on his cell phone. Brilliant. Now, I, I do not recommend distracted driving. Pay attention to the road. Pay attention. Follow the rules of the road, everybody. Keep everybody else safe. But come on, you gotta give the guy some credit for his ingenuity. Clear packing tape. I don't have a, I don't have a TV in my truck. I don't, have a, I don't have an iPad to set up. I don't even have a I don't even have a cell phone holder that allows me to stick it somewhere. I got to use packing tape. <laughs> Good stuff. Fantastic stuff. I saw this from uh, Will Parchman at Top Door Soccer. You have got to read this story. You have you have to read this story from Will Parchman at Top Door Soccer, the 91st minute. How Chelsea's Faik Bolkia became the most interesting U.S. prospect ever. Now you're saying, who's fake? Bolkia. I, mean, I have no idea if I'm getting his name correct, but there it is. Who is he? Well, he's a Chelsea youth player who Richie Williams may or may not have gone to scout. He's American eligible because he was born in Los Angeles, but his parents, excuse me, his family, are the Sultan Tate of Brunei, some of the richest people in the world. His uncle is the Sultan of Brunei. His estimated net worth in 2008, so, you know, who knows if it's gone up or down since then, was $20 billion. His father, Prince Jeffrey of Brunei, has, quote, probably gone through more cash than any other human being on Earth. Prince Jeffrey's quite the guy. So, uh, Faik's husband, uh sorry, husband, father, wow, my brain just went weird. Very interesting guy. He owned, at one point, before he was, uh, before he was brought up on charges, he owned 2,300 cars, most of which were Bentleys, Ferraris, and Rolls Royces, a helicopter, and eight private planes, one of which was a Boeing 747. Five diamonds estimated at $200 million. 1.3 One point three million dollars worth of quote erotic fountain pens, unquote. A fleet of yachts, including a mega yacht, and a seven million dollar gold rug embroidered with twenty five thousand precious stones. Quite the guy. And this and his kid is apparently a very talented player in the Chelsea system and could play for the United States one day. I find it fascinating. Cody in Portland, what's up?
4: Hey Jason, uh you kind, of, uh, you kind of threw me off with all that Sultan of Brunei talk, but <laughs> I will add that he he had a, he had a really large fleet of, of Mercedes wagons and a couple McLaren F1s as well. Oh, jeez, of course that, he did. Of course he did. Not that we needed to get into that. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're, you're going to have everything when you have that many cars. Here, here's another, here's another um, fact.
1: I love this. Before you go out, Cody, here's another fact. He once paid He once had a stadium built, and then he paid Michael Jackson $17 million to perform for a birthday party. 17 million for one off performance for Michael Jackson. Woo, man. So, what do you want to talk wow, about, Cody? And, and Michael
4: Jackson was still like almost bankrupt. So.
1: <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, paying for all those pills. Sorry, um, that's, that's, that's unfortunate. Go ahead.
4: I have a, I have a question with the, the recent result uh, with uh, Colorado and Dallas. Do you think that's like a really clear indication of some sort of uh, Western Conference cannibalization?
1: Uh, you know, look, it's MLS, and these teams are going to beat each other up on occasion when we don't expect them to. Uh, I think we we're all a little surprised by that, but of course, you know, Colorado had managed to keep a, a couple of clean sheets, three clean sheets to start the season, so they're clearly a solid defensive team. Um, you know, Pablo Mastroni's still learning on the job; uh, maybe he doesn't quite have his mix right at the top of that formation. I know, jo- I know, Dylan Powers is good. Uh, I don't know much about uh, Baji, but he obviously scored and is is a talented player. You've got Gabriel Torres in that team. I, I don't know that this is, I don't know. It's, yeah, if it's, Dylan
4: goal was pretty nice.
1: Yeah, too. that too. I, I don't know if this is going, yeah, Dylan Cerna definitely deserves mention. I don't know if that's going to be indicative of anything that happens in the Western Conference. But yeah, this is, you know, this. a lot of people talked about how the East may have the Supporter Shield winner again this year because the West is going to eat each other alive. And that's, Colorado and Dallas is, is an example of, of how it's not just the Seattles, the L.A.s, the Vancouver's, the the portlands if you want to put them on that level it's not just about those guys beating each other up or fc dallas for that matter it's also about teams we don't know what to expect out of uh, san jose colorado what do we what do we expect out of these teams i don't i don't quite know yet and yet they're capable of beating anybody
4: yeah well we can't put portland in there yet but i think we're i think we're pretty set up to get and johnson back um I mean, Jewsbury has done a great job this season at uh, the absence of Will Johnson. But what do you think about um, their chances in New York? I mean, New York just played, so they're going to be a little bit tired. And the small field may affect Portland, but they've been playing a lot of long balls from the back, kind of just bypassing their midfield. Yeah, And we kind of lose the ball, but I'm, I mean, if they're playing in a narrow field, then that long ball is kind of... Suggested it'll play
1: to our advantage. Uh, well, look, uh, Portland had a smaller field. They've widened it a bit uh, last. Uh, I think that happened last year. Uh, but we've seen Caleb Porter shift his tactics, play a little bit more direct. Have an opportunity to get not, uh, Nagby on the break. Maybe play some long balls up. You, you certainly have um, you, you have a target in Adi uh, up there at uh, the top if you want to use him that way. I, 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 as you said, New York City FC played last night. I mean, they got they got to turn around pretty quick. They are at home. David Villa came out after the first half of that game last night in that draw with Philadelphia. I would I would uh, say that uh, Portland's chances are pretty damn good. All right. Well, thanks for taking my call. Appreciate it. There goes uh, Cody in Portland. Remember the phone line six four six eight three two three nine zero nine. Hit us up with whatever is on your mind. We can go over again. We can continue to talk about the. Uh, the, I guess it's the brother of the Sultan of Brunei. So so this kid in the Chelsea uh, setup, who's, who's U.S. eligible, his dad is the brother of the Sultan of Brunei. And his dad, again, is up on charges for embezzlement, essentially, because all of this money, none of this money was his necessarily to spend. He was supposed to be, t- he was supposed to be spending it on oil reserves and uh, infrastructure. And this is one of those situations where the royal family is the government. Rick and Philly wants to talk about Concacaf. It's like a clown car, Rick. It's just a, it's a disaster.
0: <laughs> I mean, you've you've talked to the, to the to the new um, general secretary of Concacaf. Yeah, like two before, years ago, You're Jeff Webb.
1: Yeah, two years ago, I talked to the president of Concacaf, Jeffrey Webb. Yeah, yeah. lives in lives in Atlanta, time, by the way. Every
0: Could, time I hear him talk, every time I read an interview with him, he seems like an impressive guy. He seems like a pretty good guy. And then he goes ahead and supports Flatter again. What are we to make of that?
1: Look, I mean, you, the problem is that everybody's playing the game within FIFA. Even the people that we want to put on a pedestal and say, hey, he's got his, uh, he's got his head in the right place. He wants to see, uh, you know, he wants to see reform. He wants to push, push FIFA into the, into the spotlight and get some transparency. And certainly I would put this on Sunil Gulati too, who I think is a good guy and I think has, has the right notions of what to do at FIFA, but they're all forced to play the game because the power is ultimately still controlled by guys like Bladder. He is he yeah. has such a base. And and Jeff Webb knows this. Jeff Webb knows that if I if if I go up against Bladder, if I defy Bladder and he's elected, it makes my job a thousand times harder.
0: No, it's absolutely true, but it's at some point somebody has to say no to this. Who, they'll, 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 but who
1: i mean the, the problem they, the, they didn't even let michael van praag speak i
0: know at this
1: meeting well uh, and that's why Luis figo was pissed about this meeting as well he didn't get to speak either this is the bladder show he is consult think of step bladder and and look whether or not he is a criminal on this level i don't know i mean certainly um people have thrown allegations at him while and he's got a little bit of a teflon Type of thing working where nothing really sticks to him. It always ends up with somebody else in FIFA getting in trouble. But he's got a little uh, Capone going on here. I mean, he's he is he's in control. Nobody will defy him of that can really do anything about it. Yeah, there are people stepping out. There's there's guys who want to say, hey, this isn't right. We need to change things. There needs to be transparency. You need to reform. We've got a, a corrupt, cronyist system, and yet nobody who does that. And I love Andrew Jennings but the guy is tilting at windmills. Nobody who who Yeah. Go ahead.
0: Andrew Jennings is Ted with with slightly better journalistic credibility. Oh, well, that's, not
1: that's not fair. That's not fair. That's not fair.
0: Yeah, that that's yeah, but you you know what I mean? He's he's um Andrew Jennings is a little bit out there. But it it, it is absolutely ridiculous. And then the other thing I wanted to talk about was the Union uh, NYCFC game last night. Yeah. Because I had a friend who wound up on the same train that the Union, uh, going up to New York. Yeah. I offered him 15 bucks to keep Brian Carroll from making that game, and he did nothing.
1: What, What, wait, wait, are you, are you. Soliciting for how, how would that even happen, Rick? Like I, I, this sounds nefarious, and and I'm I don't want to be party to any crimes, Rick. That's not what this show is about. I mean, I'm just I'm just
0: saying, you know, if he was to like block the door until the train pulled away, something <laughs> like that. That's all I'm talking.
1: I don't about. know, man. Fifteen bucks. Come on, yeah, you, you got to do better than that, man. You got to do better than that.
0: Yeah, but in all seriousness, I I worry because the union win at home last weekend. They get the draw on the road, and. and if you follow if you're in the union circles and you see the Sons of ben Message Boards and all, everybody's jumping back on board, but the fundamental problems with this team still aren't solved. They're still god awful.
1: Mm, yeah, by the way, I, I was talking about Seb Bladder. I I'm gonna move on, Rick, but I forgot to drop this in. Bah- <laughs> I still have that on my soundboard. Rick, appreciate the phone call, man. There goes Rick in Philly. Let's talk to Ray in Milwaukee. He wants to focus on tonight's big game in uh, Mexico, Tijuana, and Guadalajara. How are you doing, Ray?
5: Good. Uh, it, it, yeah, um, th- that game could, uh, uh, is in for a first-place game, so it's going to be real interesting to see. And if you look at it from uh, a standpoint of uh, uh, Club Tijuana is generally geared towards, the, uh, I think has the biggest fan base outside of traditional Mexican fan base here in the United States, and then you have the all-Mexican fan base really uh, with Guadalajara, and, and uh, one of the most popular teams here in the United States when it comes to fandom. Mm-hmm. So I think it's going to be a really interesting game.
1: It should be. Absolutely should be an interesting game. As you said, there's uh, the the uh, attraction of, of Club Tijuana for American fans or, or for people living on the American side of the border, certainly... Is strong, but as you said, the traditional powers Club America and Guadalajara have the had the biggest fan bases. I I don't know that this game's going to have anything to do with that necessarily, Ray. But you're right; it is an interesting dynamic. That game's on at 10:30, so it doesn't go up against Red Bull Red Bulls Earthquake. So you have an opportunity out everybody out there to watch some MLS. Watch uh, the watch the Red Bulls take on San Jose at seven o'clock. Take a little bit of a break. Come back around for ESPN Deportes if you have it and watch Tijuana Chivas. Should be a good night, Ray.
5: Right, exactly, and then uh, can I just uh, talk about CLC real quick? Uh, who's that? Uh, CLC Concacaf uh, Champions League.
1: Oh yes, sure, go ahead.
5: Um, see, because uh, uh, it's this Wednesday, right? Uh, Montreal versus uh, America is next week Wednesday.
1: Uh, I believe that's right. And uh, the, last I heard, uh, by the way, now Montreal gets that second leg, so they play a couple of Amer- or they play down at Azteca first. I think that's right, Ray. Go ahead.
5: Right. And then, uh, but see, Club America has to play, uh, in the Super Classical, uh, it's sandwiched in between. So they gotta play them on that Sunday. And, uh, I think Montreal has a somewhat of a chance because, uh, Club America has played uh, inconsistent all season. Mm. So, uh, if you could hold you know to uh maybe like a 2-0 scoreline or yeah. a 2-1 scoreline yeah. going uh going back to Montreal yeah. that's a pretty good thing because it's it's hard for uh I think club america to play uh that many intense games uh, back to back to back. Like yeah, they,
1: there is, there is something. Look, we, we, we honestly, thanks for the call, Ray. We honestly don't think that Montreal is a favorite here by any stretch of the imagination, but they do have a chance. And if they can keep it close at the Azteca, maybe get a, an away goal, they're going to go back to Montreal. They're going to have 60,000 people at Olympic Stadium playing on that turf in an environment they know and that Club of America will be uncomfortable in. Uh, you know, I, I'm again. I'm. Uh, it's maybe ten, fifteen, twenty percent chance that Montreal wins this this tie, but it's out there for the taking. Lawrence in Tennessee wants to talk about Bayern Munich. What's going on? Yo, what's up? What's up? Uh,
3: apparently, it has come to light that the quote reason Bayern Munich lost to Porto this week is because of the team doctor and Pep Guardiola got up in his face and was sarcastically clapping at him.
2: Apparently during the game yeah, I against do, Porto, I, and so the I, the team doctor at Bayern Munich like walked out because he's tired of Pep Guardiola's BS. I, I do and have I think everybody's I, tired of Pep Guardiola. Well,
1: that's a good question. That's an open thing that I would love to talk about is how frustrated people are with sort of just Pep and, and the way that he is. Now he's obviously held up as the gold standard of football coaches in the world right now for a lot of good reasons, but he can be difficult. and And I would argue, Lawrence, that great people that are greatest at, at certain things tend to be difficult people that's why that's part of the reason that they're great is cuz they're just insufferable with their uh, their perfectionism with their work ethic now you know sarcastically clapping at the team doctor i don't know although i've heard this is not the first time that this doctor has quit he's obviously come back hans wilhelm müller wolfhart is stepping down after almost 4 decades at the club now he may have, have threatened to quit and and never quit but he's 72 years old He's also the national team doctor. He says the trust necessary for a successful working relationship has been damaged by this. Uh, And he says that the medical department was made primarily responsible for the defeat for inexplicable reasons. Now, look, we know Byron is suffering through a period of supreme injury problems. But to put it on the doctor, Lawrence, I mean, that's that's kind of unfair, don't you think?
3: absolutely i mean he's he's not there to you know he's not there to make
2: sure players don't get hurt he's there to you know fix them when they do get hurt because yeah. it's sport that's what happens players get hurt yeah. i mean it's going to happen yeah appreciate the, may get lucky and avoid the injury bug
1: yeah appreciate the phone call lawrence got anything um, else nope there he goes there goes lawrence let's talk to uh mike in cincinnati he's got uh some thoughts on new york city philadelphia from last night what's up mike
3: Hey, man. Um, uh, just actually looking at that game uh, last night, and actually watching the Sporting KC game uh, at Yankee Stadium a few weeks ago, I'm wondering if Jason Christ just doesn't buckle the logic and get a long-throwing specialist during the next uh, uh, window, because that field is so small and tiny that um, uh, with Shane Williams and with Matt Beesler, you've seen that they they are really vulnerable on on something like that. I know he thinks it's garbage, but I mean, you look at that field. Don't you think that that would be a really smart move here?
1: Possibly. I mean, I think they've got to make some adjustments. I don't. I don't know exactly mm-hmm. what his thought process is on how he wants to develop this team. And it it makes it brings up the issue that Jason Christ had to face. I'm sure when it was determined that this team was going to be playing in New York, a uh, Yankee Stadium. How much do you form the team around your home surface, which again is what 18 out of or 17 out of 34 games? And how much do you just plan for the future? We need to develop this and this and this. Now, there's a lot of veterans on this team that may or may not be there in three or four years, and you're going to have a lot of turnover anyway. But when you have guys like Poku in this team, and uh, there's certainly some other mixed-dick Scrooge should be around for a while, then you you get into some philosophical questions about what comes first, the consideration for the field or the consideration for how we want to play how what what I we want our identity to be when we say move into our own place and are able to play on a proper surface?
3: It's it's tough, but you still gotta win games, you know, in, in the here and now. And you can pick up somebody on the cheap that, that does a you know, a half decent job at fullback that, you know, maybe maybe not you know, either either, you know, one side very defensive or just, just tracks up upfield who also has that additional ability. And I think that would be a real big asset for them because we're seeing set piece goals and goal rates so you know going in different directions right now, and and I, I just think it would be a smart move. But I know he's just morally and philosophically opposed to that, and he's mentioned it on multiple occasions.
1: And I think that's why they hired him, though. I mean, that, that, that's why you hired that guy, yeah. right? I mean, so it makes it again. Yeah. This is this is fundamental to what NYCFC is supposed to be and what they want to be. And again, uh, you know, you've got a lot of a lot of pieces here, a lot of elements to consider, a lot of variables and he he you know you make the big bucks as the head coach of the team because it's your job to figure out how to put those things in the proper order priority wise and be effective and win games and i'm not sure I, i'm not sure what the i'm not sure what kind of pressure he's under to win he's not under pressure to win because they want to capture that market they want to get some fans out they want to get people excited but is he under pressure to win from the organization at the top because of those elements or are they going to give him You know a longer leash and say hey you know do your thing we know you're capable of creating um a a team and an ethic and a philosophy that will last us 10 years into the future Mm -hmm. yeah anything else let me ask you one last question what
3: would you what would you what would you do you know this this summer if you're if you're in i mean knowing you have lampard coming in
1: well i don't know that you can't do anything until you see how lampard integrates I mean, I think it's difficult when you, when you've got a player of that gravity coming into your team and you're, look, you're, you're doing okay so far. You're, you're kind of up and down. That's to be expected. You're working in some pieces. You're getting goals from Medi Bellucci. I mean, who, who the hell expected that? David Villa's health, I think, is a bit of a concern right now. Poku, again, Poku was a star last night. Loved watching him play. I think there's a, a big role for him in this team. Um, Defensively, yeah. defensively, they have some issues. So maybe that's where you focus. You go, okay. They need to find some consistency at the back. You had uh, Calais playing a uh, right back yesterday. He played well, but that's maybe not a, a long term solution. You have, you've had, a, you've had, you've had fullbacks playing at center back. So I think maybe defensively is where they go. All right, all right. Thanks okay. for the call, Mike in Cincinnati. Uh, last call for calls on a Friday 646 six four six eight three two three nine zero nine otherwise we're going to get ready to wrap up this edition and part of the reason is that the the announcement earlier in the show if you missed it is that starting may 4th soccer morning moves to 9 a.m eastern time 9 to ten fifteen a.m eastern time on worldsoccertalk.com slash live and on all of your streaming devices the other uh, the reason that i need to get out of here and the other announcement that we have and you may have seen this on twitter as well so we're moving to new studio space. Well, I'm moving to new studio space. Trevor's in a closet somewhere in New York. Like you, If you guys even knew how this show worked, you'd be, your mind would just spin. I'm moving to new studio space, dedicated office space, rather than doing it out of a house somewhere, which uh, is, is exciting for me. One of the elements of that, though, is that now I have this big space to fill, and the backdrop will change for the program. So I'm going to need some set decorations. I'm going to need some soccer stuff. Now I got a good collection going. Obviously I've got the scarves. Those are going to be all over the place. But if you got anything you want to send me, feel free to reach out. Hit us up at Soccer Morning on Twitter or me Davis JSN and let me know. I love to put some stuff up. I've got I love all all sorts of clubs, all sorts of organizations, all sorts of things in in terms of our scarves. In terms of some of the trinkets that I got, the the little stuff, I still need. And Trevor said this: I still need a bobblehead of me. Like I feel that's the standard. Like if you do a radio show and it's got a visual element, there's got to be at least one bobblehead on the set. And if it's going to be a bobblehead, why wouldn't it be me? Why Why wouldn't it be me? I, or I don't know. It could be somebody. I'll take a Landon Donovan bobblehead. Are there any other those left? I know that L.A. did those a while back. I'd love to have one of those as well. So, anyway, reach out to us. <laughs> Abel Xavier, <laughs> Xavier Bobblehead, yeah. Reach out to us at Soccer Morning on Twitter, DavisJSN as well. Make sure you go to 3nilfc.com to buy a t-shirt, by the way. Uh, we're going to look into to getting those going again and maybe uh, some new colors. I keep forgetting. i got to put that on my to-do list. Trevor, write that down for me. We need to do that. Talk to Dan over at 3 about getting some, uh, some variation in the t-shirts. We also have the Soccer Morning mugs at backheel.com slash store that you can buy. Uh, go to iTunes. I haven't mentioned this in a while. Give us a rating and a, re- a review. Those help us out a lot. Keep us in the uh, the top of the listing so more people can find the show. Big, big, big element of, uh, of support there. All right. I think that's going to that's gonna do it. Thanks a lot to Jeremiah O'Shan for joining us. Ooh, that's loud. Let me turn that down. Thanks to Jeremiah O'Shan for joining us to talk about Jordan Morris. We'll be back on Monday. New digs big show. Enjoy your soccer. We'll see you. Bye.